Well, good morning, Life Church. My name is Matt, one of the pastors here, and I'm so excited to be able to bring you a message this morning in our series, Live Well. And if you've missed the last few, you're going to want to go back and catch them. Pastor Mike was awesome uh, a couple weeks back talking about honor. And then last week, we had a special guest, uh, Ben, Pastor Ben Woodman was with us. And man, what an honor to have him with us. Uh, really enjoyed that message. And uh, you're going to want to catch up on it because we're going to be kind of building off of some of those concepts today as I speak to you on the subject of love. Living well in light of love. And the question is, how do we live well in light of love in the season that we find ourselves in today? How do we do that? How do we find that? How do we find a way to do that? I think one of the challenges that we have with that, uh, with that concept of, of living well in light of love is that the idea of love is so multifaceted in our culture and in our language. You know, we can say love, but we might be thinking we're meaning one thing, but there's actually so many different meanings. And you might hear somebody say something like this, you know, hey, I love a good steak. I mean, do you love a good steak? I love a good steak. You might hear somebody say, oh, I really love that car. I like that color of that car. That's a beautiful car. Or you might hear somebody say, oh, I just, I love my wife, man. I'm just, I love my wife. She's so amazing. Or uh, I love life church. Or in the same question, same thing, you might hear somebody say, I, I'm falling in love. Right? There's so many different concepts surrounding it. There's so many songs written about the subject that are unique and different. And we can often think of love in a, in a romantic sense or a preferential. You know, I prefer, I love these types of meats or these types of foods. Or, or we might think about love in a personal sense. You know, I just, I love this person or, or a spiritual love, you know, for God so loved the world. There's so many different concepts surrounding this idea of love. How do we find out how we live in light of love? What kind of love do we need to live well in this period of time? And how does love allow us to live well in this moment of time? And how does love impact this season? And in church, let me tell you, in this season, we need love. This morning, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles with me. We have a couple of texts we're going to be reading from, one in particular that we're going to build up to. Um, but in the, to begin with, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. And then we're going to be going back to the Old Testament to Leviticus. And then we're going to be moving back forward to Matthew. And we're going to read these passages. These are going to be our texts today. And then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to unpack this text as we talk about the idea of love. Living well in light of love. Living well in light of love. Matthew 22 Verse 37 and 39 in the New King James says this. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go back to Leviticus 19 verse 18. And this is what it says in the Old Testament. It says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Sound familiar? We just heard that. All right. Now moving forward. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 46 in the New King James Version. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, 
that you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. All right, church, you ready to dive into this concept and this, 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 this subject of love? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word that is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Thank you so much, Lord God, that your word is applicable for now, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God, for a rhema word, a living word to speak into our lives today, Lord Jesus. We pray that we would be changed by your word, God, that we would understand it, Lord God, and that it would enlighten the eyes of our heart, Lord God, that we could be changed by it this morning, Lord God. We ask it now in Jesus' name. And everybody at home said, Amen. Amen. So diving back in to this concept of love, and in particular, the context in which Jesus is talking about it here in Matthew chapter 5. Just as a quick refresher, what's happening here is this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's where Jesus has gathered a group of mostly Jewish people to himself and is declaring and is is sharing a, a powerful message. This is kind of right in the middle of that message. And the people that he's talking to are Jewish people. And these people that are hearing this message, that are, you know, he's saying, listen, you've heard it heard, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. That would have been a very common idea or phrase that they would have known in that time. Because the people that he was speaking to, who were primarily Jewish, were raised with this concept. The idea of love your neighbor was not a new concept. We just read it in the book of Leviticus. They were aware of it. But the obvious question that arises from this commandment is, who is your neighbor? Now, we know this was a common question because later on, uh, somebody comes to Jesus and says, okay, well, Jesus, tell me, who is my neighbor? And he tells them who is who your neighbor is. He tells them the story of the Good Samaritan. So the, the question would have been, who is your neighbor? And what we find out is that defined by the leaders of that day and in every um, uh, uh, commentary that I read on this passage, they kind of highlight this idea that the religious leaders of the day defined your neighbor as anyone who thought the same way as you. Your neighbor was people that were of the same culture, the same beliefs and the same way of thinking. So if that was the definition of a neighbor... The question is, what do you do with everyone else? And the common refrain, the common response to that in that day was you love your neighbor, those that think like you, that act like you, that talk like you, that walk like you, and you hate everybody else by default. This was commonly taught and commonly practiced in that day. So for Jesus to come and say, you will love, you've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemies, I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. That was a radical idea and a radical concept. Now, how does that apply to us today? One of my great concerns in this season, as we are being forced to isolate, is that uh, we're isolating and we're being told to gather with, we can gather with small groups of people, you know, families or friends, you know, tight, tight groups of people. And one of the challenges that I'm noticing with that is that when you do that, you begin to surround yourself with people who think like you do. And as we begin to isolate, 
One of the, the challenges is that we would begin to drift towards this way of thinking, which is our neighbor is anyone who thinks like us. Anybody who's part of our family. Anyone who acts like us. And over time, if we're not careful, we can drift into a way of thinking that says, okay, the way that we're thinking is right and the way that everybody else is thinking, therefore, must be wrong. And unfortunately, because of the situation we find ourselves in, we are constantly being put back into the same echo chamber. And we're not having the opportunity to be surrounded by other people, by other ways of thinking. And so therefore, it's becoming an us and them mentality, and it's creating a spirit of division. And church, I see this taking place within our society. I see this starting to grow uh, within the church. Man, there's so many different ways of thinking. Listen, I just want to take a moment and just pause here and just thank. There are some of you in the church who have had some concerns, and I just want to thank you. You know who you are, that you have come to us, to Pastor Mike and Ev and to Tanya and I, and you've expressed those. That is so healthy. Because then we were able to have conversation, and we we were able to hear each other's hearts, and we were able to grow together. So how do we fight against this? How do we fight against this, 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 this separation, this, this love your neighbor only and don't worry about everybody else? How do we fight against that? And what does Jesus say? How do we do that? He says this. He says, you need to love your neighbor. And how can we do that? I mean, what does he mean by that, right? Like often I think when we think about love, we think about this idea of agreeing with somebody else, of being in agreement with them, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're part of me. We're the same. We can love each other. But listen, unlike our multi-purpose word of love that we discussed earlier, the Greek language has specific vocabulary for different types of love. And so what we need to understand is what kind of love is Jesus talking about here? The type of love that is being spoken of in this passage is agape love. Now, agape is a Greek word. And Christianity Today, uh, Christianity.com actually defines it as uh, pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. I'm going to keep reading what it says here. We are to love God and others with agape love. Agape is a choice, a deliberate striving for another's highest good. And it, demonst- it is demonstrated through action. God set the standard for agape love in sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. So how do we do this? How do we love our enemies? In other words, if we have this type of love, okay, agape love, which is loving others in spite of our differences, then we can still disagree with people and love them. Man, is that a radical concept? And how do we do that? How can we disagree with people and still love them? How do we do that? In Matthew 5, 44, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. How can we love other people around us who disagree with us? And there's three ways that Jesus mentions right here. Okay, Number one, we can bless those who curse us. That word bless in the Greek is to praise, celebrate with praise. 
It means that it's that concept of turning the other cheek. You see, what it is, is at the end of the day, we may have differences in opinions. We may have different ways that we're looking at this whole pandemic and the way that we're viewing how the church ought to operate within it. But at the end of the day, we are commanded to love each other. And so rather than saying, man, forget you if you disagree with me. The spirit of God would come and say that what we need to do is we need to bless each other. Hey, listen, I know that we might disagree, but I just I just want the best for you. See, I, I, we might not have the same concept about how we're going to approach this, but ultimately I want your good. I want you also to come to Jesus. I want you also to be found in him. I want you also to seek first his kingdom. So first of all, we can bless those who curse us. We can bless those who curse us. Number two, we can do good to those who hate us. So the first one is bless. The second one is do good. Do good. And this is kind of going back to what Pastor Ben was talking about last week, which is being salt and light. From Matthew 5, 13 and 16. It's that idea of, of going out and physically serving our neighbors. Showing Jesus' love by the way that we interact with others. The way that we treat people at the grocery store. The way that we treat those who might disagree with us. We can do good for them. You don't have to agree with me for me to do good for you. We can have a difference in opinion and we can still get along. Jesus commands us to do good for those who not only disagree with us, but actually hate us. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. We're here to bring people, to care for and bring people to Jesus. And number three, we can pray for our enemies. We can pray that they also would come to know Jesus. See, here's why, church. Here's why we can do that. I want you to understand something. We are not calling people to an ideology. We are calling people to a person and his name is Jesus. We are calling people to the living God. And I think so often we can get caught up in our differences in ideologies and our differences in ways of thinking about things and approaching things. And that, that can become the, the issue. And that can become the, the tipping point that brings that spirit of division if we're not careful. But God has called us to love our enemies. And how do we do that? We do that by blessing others. We do that by doing good things for other people. And we do that by praying for others. And what are we praying we're not praying this. We're not church. We're not doing this. Come on. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray that that person would begin to think in the right way, just like I think in the right way. No, no, no. That's not what he's getting at here. What are we praying? God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray, Lord God, that they would come to know you in a greater way because the ultimate win for us, church, is not if we're right, but if we are in the right place with the right person, if we are with Jesus. So that's how we can love in the way that Jesus is talking about. And it's very practical. And as we close today, we want to talk a little bit about the why. Why should you love others? Let's unpack this idea of love a little bit more. Okay. Number one, for a very obvious reason, Jesus commands it. 
Um, Matthew 22, 39. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus commands it. We need to love others. We need to agape others. Lift everybody up, lift others up. We need to do that. But number two, and this is, and the reason why is that Jesus not only commanded it, but Jesus modeled it. Okay, so check this out. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, further in that passage, uh, in the book of Romans, he actually says, for we were enemies of God. For if when we were enemies with God, we were reconciled to him, which is what he says, we were enemies of God, but we were reconciled to him. Jesus modeled this type of love. See, when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't just come for the righteous. He didn't just come for those that seemed to have it all together. In fact, the only people he had a problem with were people who thought they had it all together. When Jesus came, John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world. Jesus came for everybody and he demonstrated love. He showed us love by coming to us when we were still sinners. And by the way, that biblical idea of sinner is this idea of falling short of God's glory. And the Bible tells us that all have fallen short of God's glory, all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. And that sin has separated us from God. So because of sin, our position in God is that we were separated from him by our sin. We were enemies of God, whether we knew it or not. And this is how Jesus showed love is he came while we were yet sinners. And then get this. He came while we were yet sinners and then he became sin that we might become the righteousness of God through him. So he commanded us to love others. Then he demonstrated that love. He showed us that love with the very life that he lived. And by paying the price for our sins and taking it on himself, he called us up to another level. He saw us as greater than we really were, and he loved us accordingly. That's what Jesus has done for us. He called us up. So why should we love others? Because Jesus commanded it, because Jesus demonstrated it and modeled it. But then here's the third reason. We love others because we are worthy of love. Okay, now let me just unpack that statement because some of you that might find that a little bit confusing. We are worthy of love. What do you mean by that? You just said that we're all sinners. Exactly. See, Jesus loved us when we did not deserve it. Jesus chose to love us and to demonstrate his love when we were actually far from God. Jesus came to a people who did not deserve it. And he called us up. And he saw the best in us and he called it out of us. And he declared to us that you today are worthy of love. See, maybe you're sitting at home right now and you're saying, man, I don't know if I am worthy of love. And I'm going to tell you something right now. He became sin that you might become the righteousness of God in him. And you are worthy of love today because of what Jesus has done. Today, you are worthy of love. 
Not because of what we've done, not because we're perfect, not because we've got this whole thing figured out, not because you took time this morning to turn on the TV or turn on the YouTube and, and watch our service. We are, uh, 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 we are worthy of love because of what he has done. And because we are worthy of love, we can love other people the same way. Do you see that? People who might think differently. People that might have a different opinion. People that might have a different way of looking at all the things that we're facing right now. People who might actually hate us or have already canceled us because of the way that we think. We can love them. Not because we're great, not because we're awesome, not because we're perfect, but because we are worthy of love because he says that we are. John chapter, First uh, John 4 verse 19 says, We love others because he first loved us. He first loved us. So how do we respond to this today? Well, I just want to close here by just telling you this. Jesus loves you. He really does. And for the reasons that I mentioned, he has chosen to give his love to us. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. God is calling to you right now. And in light of this challenge to love our neighbor, and not only our neighbor, but to love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us. And the challenge that we received last week from Pastor Ben, I, I want to ask you today and I want to challenge you. Is there a situation in your life today where you now are feeling challenged to show love? Maybe you've been in an argument with somebody or you haven't been very gracious with somebody and you've been just fighting because it's more important to be right. Can I just tell you today, God is calling us to love. I'm just going to repeat those three thoughts again. We need to bless those who curse us. We need to do good to those who hate us. And we need to pray for those who persecute us and spitefully use us. We need to pray for our enemies. Church, let's be like that. Let's be like Jesus. Let's bless those who curse us. Let's do good for other people. And let's pray for our enemies. As we close right now, Pastor Mike's going to come back on in just a few moments. And he's going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer this morning to receive Jesus into your life, into your heart, if you've never done that before. But I just, again, want to encourage you this morning, church, that whoever you are, Jesus loves you. That God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And today, church, is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Let us walk and live well in love. Amen.